Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner and welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Jason Prawl and we're going to be talking about his new book, Beyond Longevity. Jason Prawl is a health educator, practitioner, author, and filmmaker and in 2018, his independent research and experience as a practitioner led him to create the Human Longevity Project, a nine-part film series that uncovers the true nature of chronic disease in our modern world. He's currently working on this next film series that, that explores ancient methods of healing mind, body, and soul from indigenous cultures around the world. And he's recently re- released his best-selling new book titled Beyond Longevity, A Proven Plan for Healing Faster, Feeling Better, and Thriving at Any Age. Jason and I have a really fun exploration of not only these concepts of beyond longevity, but our current musings on life, quantum biology, intention, you know, living an aligned life uh, with purpose and receptivity. And I hope you really have a wonderful experience of this conversation as I did. Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today I'm here with my dear friend, Jason Prawl, and we're going to be talking all about Beyond Longevity. Welcome, Jason. It's always fun to connect with you. No, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. You know, it's funny. I don't think I've ever told you this, but when we first got introduced, I wasn't sure what to make of you. I couldn't get like a read on you. <laughs> you know, I need you. I can read people fairly well. And I'm like, I don't get it. And then, and then the more I learned about your philosophy of healing and the way that you approach biology and life and the, the cosmos and everything involved, uh, I've just grown to love you more and more. So I appreciate you having me on. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. And I probably had the same thought, you know, (laughs) about you, you know, just you have done such, you know, I knew you through human longevity. And then, you know, we've done some, I interviewed you for my body electric summits, which were really kind of my first exploration and, you know, this world beyond our physical body, right. And this keeps me just like so passionate, right, about my work and my curiosity and how I can help my patients, you know, just support them in their journey, right? And just facilitate what I what I can for the people who show up in my office. And, you know, that curiosity has led to so much exploration like yours, you know, and this book is full. The book that we're going to be talking about that you just launched is, is full of those insights. But, you know, I think where we connect is the the body electric, the biofield, the, you know, insights into what we would maybe name as the unified field. And, you know, that's an endless journey if it is, you know. It is. And, and what, you're, what you're naming too, and this is my, my journey into it, was, I was naturally curious, right? And I was a mechanical engineer as a background, right? So I came from a different uh, field of, of scientific exploration. But at the end of the day, when I got into becoming a practitioner, I kept kind of running up against these like limitations in functional medicine and integrative thinking and and the the tests that I that I still love, right? Organic acids tests and mm. some of these gut tests, super valuable and like amazing that we can find out the functional on that level. And then yet I, I kept running into this like barrier, right? Which was like Newtonian mechanics biology, right? And Mm-hmm. And in one sense, it's an endless stream of biochemical reactions that you can chase and chase and chase and chase. And then it's like, at some point there, there became a realization. And I think for me that the, the doorway, or the entryway was how do thoughts and, and emotions affect biology, right? And and I wouldn't say Bruce Lipton was the only guy, but he was certainly the a pivotal in sort of like opening that doorway for me. 
as was, you know, indigenous plant medicines and some of these other things. But like, once you start to dip your toe into that realm, now you're in, you're in a totally different territory, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, okay, how can you actually explain these unseen energies affecting our biology? And we all have the direct experience of it, right? If we're, if we're nervous on stage, giving a speech, everything is shifting my blood pressure, right? The, my heart rate, like I'm sweating, like everything's starting to shift. So, so that was kind of like the big thing for me was like, there's something underneath all of this. And even if we don't yet know how to explain it all, there's certainly enough research and there's enough deduction that can happen to start to wander into that, into that territory. And once you do, like there's so many cool things that sort of unfold for you. And I think this is where you and I like to to go back and forth and like, what's possible and what's happening and how can we even try to explain what I'm seeing here? And, you know, cause it's sort of beyond words sometimes with what, what I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, we're so aligned in that way. It's like, how do we, you know, again, embrace our functional medicine and our naturopathic medicine and our bioregulatory medicine. And how do we bring this other emerging science, you know, it's ancient wisdom and this renaissance of these ideas with, you know, these new insights into the quantum, you know, and bring that, that, you know, really, I mean, I, I think in my heart, you know, like I want the miraculous to be commonplace and maybe not everybody will experience that, but if there's like a true desire and like a, and I wouldn't even say true desire, I would say if there's a, if there's an openness and willingness to explore that, that they experience it, right? And having a language of all of that, right? And I think the, you know, the looking at the field interactions of the body and the, and around us and the rhythms and, you know, all of this, as you said, you know, the biochemistry is what we can focus on in medicine, but really there's something else, you know, governing this energy. And so, so yeah, this is the journey that we both have gone on. And I'm super curious, I mean, whatever you feel like sharing, but have you had, as you have new insights about this, have you had personal experiences that have continued to validate that you're kind of on the right path exploring these things? So I, I think that the most profound ones in early in the process came from sitting with ayahuasca and um, some indigenous healers. So, mm-hmm. and just a quick note on that, right? Because to me, it's not the, the ayahuasca mm-hmm. or the medicine, so to speak, that's doing the magic. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's an integral piece of the puzzle, but but just like any therapy session, it, the therapist is is critical, right? So the the, the healer, the the indigenous person, and I, and I, the reason I, I sort of leaning toward indigenous because there's there's training that goes on that is passed down through lineage. So if, if I'm sitting with a master who's who's seventy years old and who's been uh, she's been drinking um, ayahuasca for fifty years underneath her master, who's also been there's so much wisdom that's passed down that's that you can't even put into words. It's almost like postgraduate education for 30 years. Like you just, it's, it's masterful what, what's, what's, what's being mm-hmm. transmitted and what's happening in those circles. And so for me, there's things that happen in that space that then, um, that I don't even sometimes understand. It's almost like getting a psychic reading, right? Where you get the information, but you're not sure what to do with it. You don't know what to mm-hmm. make of it. You can't even interpret it. And then later on life reveals something to you to make sense of it. And so that's, that, those are kind of the, the things early on. And since then, it happens to be more synchronistic than anything else where something will happen in my experience. And then I will continue to get led to more experiences like that. For me, the biggest realization I think that has 
made the biggest difference for me is to recognize that that the body, like the actual biology, as well as the mental or the emotional aspects of us get caught in patterns, get caught in ruts, right? And there's nothing wrong. These are just adaptations that have basically ingrained themselves to the point where, because they were useful at some point, mm. and we're so habitual, we're so conditionable as beings, our biology is conditionable, our, our mental frameworks and our emotional frameworks, those are, the, those are kind of the big key realizations. And so whenever we can in, use technology, use a device, use a technique, whether it's breath work or whether it's, there's so many different things out there that can get us out of that rut or out mm -hmm. of that pattern, there's a reset that happens. And the, the biology is, is as much uh, of an important aspect to this as are the mental and emotional patterns that we get stuck in, right? So we have these therapies, we have these life coaches and these, you know, mental reframing, there's all that stuff. And that's great. And we can, we can undo some of that software, but then it's the hardware too that gets caught. And so can I reset the actual brain and nervous system? Um, there's technologies out there that can do that for us. And once the brain's back in a balanced state, then it's like, everything starts to operate in alignment, right? And so, so those are some of the big ones that, that keep coming around for me with, with a lot of the experiences that I, that I continue to come back to. It has to do with getting the system out of this sort of caught loop that it's in. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure as you know, you look back on your original plant medicine journeys and kind of seeing you where, where you are now, I'm sure there's, you know, some amazing reflections. And I, I, I think this pattern piece is big and this idea too of vibrational patterns within us and around us in nature and how these patterns can hold information yep. and how information can be, you know, coherent and, you know, life enhancing and, you know, biologically, you know, healing, you know, or the, these patterns can be dissonant and, you know, destructive and energy draining and create stagnation, you know, and, you know, the fields around us and within us and, uh, you know, all of that. And so have you thought about, you know, kind of, you know, this vibrational pattern, like, like the patterns is like a vibration. Has that come up in your journey? Yeah. So, you know, vibration is a weird word for me because it's used so often. And I think some, it's as good a word as any, to be honest, yeah. I guess, but I think to some degree, it's more like a, it's more like a resonance is a better word, right? I love the term resonance because it implies that there's, there's coherence. There's something to, to resonate with that. There's a, there's already an aligned function, right? And when we say, when we say wave or frequency, this is like, we have the wrong image. I think um, yeah. we're thinking two dimensionally. We, we, it's, it's all funky to your fundamental point. Yes. What I, the way I, I think of it is it's, it's more of like, I see it and more as a, I see it as a, as a way of being. And so um, frequency, maybe, maybe not. I'm not quite sure how to think about all that. To, but to some degree, I, I, I try not to get lost in it. And, and the reason I say that is because typically with a lot of the other cultures that I've interacted with, it's a different language. So it's the spirit of something, right? Carl Jung talks in archetypes. So it, for me, it's, it's more a matter of what am I aligning to? What am I resonating with? And that's the best I really can do. 
Sorry, I just want to elaborate that because because vibration and frequency. The reason I, I kind of shy away from it is because there's this there's this implication or there's a there's sort of this underlying tone that that a low vibe, a low vibration is bad, and like I don't think that's true. I think there's a, there's a whole spectrum, and in this low vibration, you can actually alter your state right with certain meditative or awareness practices and get into this very low earthly vibration and there's a sound or a texture to it that's just like and it's very low now is that a low vibration like yeah like in in all sense of the word it's a lower vibration but it doesn't it's not a bad thing right and then we we all we tend to think of high vibration as this like amazing thing well some of us are, are living up here and above our heads we're way out in the sky we're pulled way out and we actually need to get into our body more so this embodied a sense of who I am can 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 be represented as a low vibration, a low frequency, as well as a high frequency. So I think that's that's the main reason I think that the terminology I get like a little lost in it because you're never really sure where somebody's at in their integrated level of understanding and and so it's it's more of what am I resonating with, what am I aligning to, what ways of being are harmonious with life itself, and so. I, you know, and looking at a lot of the the electrical work, the voltage work, and the, the the frequency work, so to speak, there's different vibrations and different frequencies and different resonant patterns of organ systems and what have you, right? So, it's super interesting, and I, I'm not sure what to do with all that, but but to but to recognize that high low is not the scale; it's more resonance and dissonance, right? And distorted or aligned and and, and harmonious and coherent. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think when I use the word vibration, what I where I'm trying to kind of get in my understanding at this point is like we have this fabric within us and this field around us. And again, these names are limited, right? <laughs> you know, and you know what I, I'm trying to think about these like right the okay, let's say the fascia, right? They have these mechanical waves that get generated, and then there's like electricity and there's these, you know, vibrations are sound and then they're light and then, you know, there's communication at the end of it, right? And there's resonance or dissonance. I, I love that. You know, I, I think where my my thought was like, it's almost like, and this is never going to be understood, but you know, when they look at somatics, right? And, you know, they look at the these patterns of vibration, right? And then you kind of think, that's kind of like the letters of the, like to make the words of this language. So I'm thinking of vibration can transform into, you know, resonance or dissonance, but is it starting at vibration? I don't know if I'm making sense, but you know what I, you know what I mean? That that's where my, that was kind of where my question was coming from, you know? Yeah. 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 Totally. To the essence of your question, I, I 100%. And so, um, you know, I think about this a lot with respect to sound itself, and then, of course, light, right? And there's not not a ton of difference between those two. And this, to me, is like a huge part of the future with respect to our developing our sort of, let's say, external technologies, how we're using sound, right? Because we can do this internally. That's what the humming is and chanting and, and the musical instruments that we've created. Like, that's already within us to do this. And so, to me, there there's something to that. And even beyond the vibration or the frequency, it, it's like, I think about it in terms of there's an intelligence, right? So, so this is a thing that I think is actually left out of a lot of the, let's say, energy medicine and quantum aspect of things is that we're kind of leaving God out. 
in a sense, right? And I wasn't I wasn't raised in any religion. I, I kind of came to my own conclusions with respect to to God and divine intelligence and all these things. But e- even fundamentally beyond that, I mean, if we just want to talk about nature itself, right? There's intelligence embedded within this stuff, right? And so that's what's to me so interesting. Like, why is it that everybody likes music? And when I say music, I mean yes. notes that are played that are in tune. Something interesting about that, like it's a, it's a universal aspect to life itself that it's beneficial. And like, why is that, right? There's some kind of intelligence at play here and we're interacting with it, right? So how is that happening? What's going on there? Like there's something really fascinating with this. And so for me, it's, it's, it's constantly reminding myself that there's an intelligent aspect to, to what we're working with here. And the reason that's important is because it gets me beyond the mechanical explanation. Well, I was a trained mechanical engineer, so I spent my life trying to work my way out of this sort of mechanical understanding of things, but we can get lost in the mechanics of life. And it's like, there's so much more to the mechanics. The mechanics are, they play second fiddle to the intelligence of life itself, right? Yeah. And so to me, if we align with, if we harmonize with intelligence, then the, the mechanics just naturally unfold, right? Like the tree doesn't have to worry about the mechanics of growing itself. It just is, right? It, it aligns with the intelligence that's within. Same thing with, with, our, with a child. I've got a three-year-old, right? And, I, and in my book, right, I, ta- I talk about this because it's something that I think we're, we're fumbling around in the health world talking about longevity and aging. Not a single person I know can define aging eloquently. N- nobody I know comes up with the same definition. So we, don't, we can't even define it. Right, we do, we don't know when it starts. We can't agree on when it starts. We can't even agree what guides the process of aging. All we're describing is the effects of aging. Right. So, in sort of my quest to even thinking about some of this stuff, it's, it's amazing when you think about life itself. When we start off as these germ cells and we we grow into you know a single cell, two cells, four cells, there's an intelligence that's guiding this process. Right, and it seems to happen on a pretty amazing, amazingly repeatable schedule. We can predict it fairly, fairly accurately. It's happening pretty automatically. Like it's the success rate's unbelievably good. We don't have to do anything, right? And yet the complexity builds, right? Like that is amazing. It is totally opposite of what physics talks about, right? Which is that we all decay into this sort of amorphous thing, right? Like that's this process. We're doing the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Neg entropy, right? So entropy is when it all just decays. And this is the opposite. Like th- that's intelligence. There's magic in that, right? So to me, it's constantly infusing myself into that part of the equation, reminding myself that there's some intelligence here that I don't have to figure it all out. That if I can align with the intelligence and trust that intelligence, then things happen in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And I think the, you know, where I am, it's like trying to like, bridge the like okay the quantum physics world and the biofield science world into medicine and into the treatment room so people can open themselves up to accepting the intelligence right you know so it's like this you know because I can't just you know I mean a lot my patients are really cool like I have really cool (laughs) patients and you know a lot of them are just so open and so you know heart centered and just on this quest right and they find we you know we collide right and we you know you know it's a great honor to serve them and the more that most of my patients are open and the more that we just can talk about this divine guidance and this intelligence within and around and kind of everything's right on time and surrender to that on some level, which is hard when you see somebody suffering so badly. It's really hard. 
I suffered for much of my life. And so I could get it. Yeah. But it's like that. I, I think Jason, that was like very wise, you know, like I, I think we've just kind of lost the language of how to interact with God or intelligence in our society. And, you know, people are so sensitive, which I respect, you know, we have to respect everybody, but you know, how can we not talk about God and intelligence in, in this you know, world, right? You know, it's just, I, I think we would be happier, healthier people with conversation at the forefront and not, you know, you have to come to it because of all this suffering and pain, you know? You know, it's fascinating because we can, we can cut our finger, you know, in the kitchen and we don't think much of it, right? We put yeah. a Band-Aid on it or whatever we do, and then we just wait and then it right. heals. <laughs> And it right. somehow like knows exactly how to heal such that we don't get infections and all, just like there's a, there's a magic to that. And, and we take all that for granted. And yet, and again, uh, pregnancy and carrying to term and the process of birth itself and watching an infant do what an infant does, somehow they just know, I know. right? Like there's just, there's embedded intelligence or you can just sit there and watch your, your garden, right? I mean, so th- th- this is a, a fundamental thing that I think we're missing in the West, which is that daily constant interaction with nature itself. And this is why some of the naturalists from from long ago were able to understand health so well is because they just watched. They watched trees. They watched the deer. They watched Mm -hmm. the chipmunk. They watched the stars, right? Like they were able to just view when you are that in tune. I mean, I've sat with a fire and and basically worked with the fire and, and asked it to teach me, right? And if you sit with these energies, these spirits, these these beings, mm-hmm. if you will, then you will start to understand things on a different level, right? So like there's, again, and, and, and part of the reason I would even entertain that sort of like, hey, teach me is because of just enough practice with Ayurveda and some of the, the indigenous he- healers and teachers that I've been fortunate enough to interact with, they all acknowledge the, the elements, right? Uh, water, air, fire, earth, perhaps ether. Um, and of course, in Chinese medicine, there's there's others, right? So, but but these fundamental forces of nature that exist and same with the directions right and so at first from my western perspective this was all just woo woo stuff and it didn't make a lot of sense and sure like okay fire air worth oh, whatever that, that makes sense but but then when you start to understand the depth of these things and you start to understand the qualities and the spirit of these things so to speak then you can start working with them on another level and you understand what why it feels so good to take a shower, for example, right? There's deeper qualities to some of this stuff, right? When you pick up lavender and you smell it, sure, we can study the neurochemistry and there's all these things that we can, we can, is it antibacterial? Like this is a very Western way of approaching it. But when you sit with lavender and you smell it and you feel what it's doing to you and you feel the quality of lavender itself, there's a different aspect. So what I'm actually pointing to here is the feminine nature, right? The feeling, the perceiving, right? It's a very uh, subtle and receptive way to view these things that we've been so caught in the masculine way of doing things, mm-hmm. which, which has its purpose too. But if, if we're not bringing in the feminine quality of this stuff, we're going to miss like so much of the juice of these things, right? So, so to me, this is being a more hyper-masculine person most of my life and, and growing up in a hyper-masculine environment in our culture and Western culture itself, these are, this is a, this is a big edge and mm-hmm. it still continues to be a, a big edge for me to, to, to really embrace and cultivate the more feminine aspects of my being such that I can use it as a gift, right? Not only with other people, but, but as I walk through the world, there's so much to, to this stuff that we can learn just by being right. And again, being is the feminine quality uh, in and of itself, right? So 
there's there's a lot to this stuff that I think if we start to open ourselves up, if we if we walk out into nature, we we get out of our heads just a little bit, then all the stuff that you and I like to do, which is complete the puzzle, right, and figure stuff out, it, it's so much easier, right? Like it's so much easier because we're we're now cultivating a, another piece of the puzzle that is so critical to our understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I love that you brought in these principles and this you know quality also in the you know the feminine aspect of all, who we all are is like receiving and receptiveness and you know especially in healing there's a lot of like doing and figuring out and you know like some of my patients are like I have to work so hard to heal and you know you're like oh gosh I, you know I I missed that boat of educating them you know and that this is like if we can slow down you know recognize the intelligence within us you know be in and observe the natural rhythms of life and, you know, feel like, you know, that we're kind of in this coherent state, we're in this more receptive state that we actually, you know, it's not this trying so hard, we're receiving not only the, you know, the healing energy from all of this, but also maybe that insight or that next step, you know, that you've been, you know, really seeking, but the more that you're closed and trying and, you know, constricted, it just, there's no space for it to come. So yeah, I mean, any, any kind of thing you want to share, you know, with that aspect of healing? That's a big one. You know, as someone who's trying to, to get to the bottom of their health challenges, that is a, a big aspect, right? And, and what I want to point to here too, is that for, for most people, for myself, certainly, it wasn't like, okay, I started uh, embracing the more feminine qualities, I start feeling more. I slow down. I listen, etc. And all of a sudden, I'm getting all these answers. No, in fact, I got nothing. Right? It was almost like I might as well not do it because nothing was happening. I couldn't perceive anything. Nothing was changing. And so, it, like anything, it's a cultivation practice, right? And and the first part of any any of that is to is to have an intention, right? And so, any kind of change requires an intention. And some of this intention may be on the soul level. It may be so so subconscious and in the back of your mind that you may not even recognize you have this intention. And we can bring any intention forth and put it right in front of us and declare, so to speak, this is what I'm intending to do, right? And, and so to me, that's the first part. And then as that sort of naturally works its way into our, our being, then, then it tends to show up on a more regular basis. And it may look like a practice. It may look like a reminder. It may look like other people who are really good at embodying the feminine qualities that you're seeking, showing up and, and mirroring these to you. Or it may be the hyper-masculine people start showing up in your field and you go, oh my God, like, holy shit, that guy's just way too much. Like, look at him trying so hard and he's trying so many. Now you're seeing that reflected back to you in the opposite way, right? So we, we can learn from the, the polarized opposites, which is a really brilliant way. And we can learn from the embodied, let's say, resonance when we're with somebody that can mirror this directly to us. And we, it, our systems are like tuning forks. And this is a lot of the, 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 the sessions that I do now um, as I show up as a sort of therapist, if you will, or a, or a practitioner, is I'm, I'm actually holding a certain way of being in my field and their, their natural awareness is tracking it without them even usually knowing it. I can feel them tracking me and they're going, and so they're essentially learning. This is what we do as children. This is, this is why when we have embodied parents that have done any kind of work or they're, or they just are the way they are. I mean, they're all on some level awake in, in certain aspects, but we're picking that up. And if they don't have the qualities that we need, then it's like, 
we never got to see the color purple, for example, or we never heard the note C sharp. And so we don't, our being doesn't know what that is because it was never reflected to us, right? So these are kind of missed experiences, so to speak. And so eventually we need to find that and, and it might show up in a baseball coach or a ballet instructor mm-hmm. or whatever. They can start to reflect these aspects and, and our being goes, oh, okay, that's what that is. So, so we learn through being around certain people how to be. And so that's a, that's a lot of my work is showing up in a way and they're, they're mm-hmm. resonating with, with this sort of aspect of my being and they're learning through awareness what, this, what these qualities are without even putting words to it. So, so there's, there's a lot of how this starts to show up. And what I find is, is again, going back to this idea of intention, it's so critical. Like, what is your dream? What is your intention? Is it to heal? Is it to awaken? Is it to make more money? Is it to create? But we, before we got on, and we were, I was telling you kind of what I was intending in my life, which was to create more stability, yeah. more safety, uh, more ease in my life. That's really all I'm looking for. I'm looking for this stability, ease, grace, simple. I'm not looking for, I, I used to be much, let's say, bigger of a thinker. I wanted to do all these things and change the world. And look, I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about now is handling my life in the most easeful, graceful, soft, simple way. Because, because my, my deepest heart intention is already going to come through, which is to, to serve others in, in as big a way as I can. But the best way I can do that is when I'm grounded, when I'm safe, when I'm secure, when I'm operating in the most aligned and effective way. And if I'm chasing my tail with a billion different things and I can't show up in the most aligned way for others. And so, so for me, again, it's, it's setting that intention. It's being really clear on what do you want in your life, right? And there's nothing, nothing's off the table, Right, like for for many of us who are who are sick or ill or going through a health crisis, it may just be to sort of get beyond that. But what I would offer is is that there's something even beyond that. Right? So okay, so so let's say you we grant you that you're now healthy. Now what? Like what is your dream now? So so go oh, go beyond that step of I just want to be healthy. Okay, you're healthy. Now what? Now what do you want to do? Because that is going to be your guiding light, your north star. And if you set that intention, then then the universe will sort of organize itself to support you in that endeavor. And, and all these little things will start to come up to help you get there. And so sometimes even with healing, what I've noticed, and this is a hard thing to even say, is that sometimes we're not going to heal in this life. And what I mean by that is, is that we may still have the pain. We may still have the skin issue. We may still have the, the immune challenges so that we are have a restricted diet or we're sensitive to chemicals or whatever the case is. It's important to accept that possibility. That may be okay. In other words, we can still live a fruitful, abundant, happy, joyful, peaceful, thrilling, passionate life without the perfection of, all, of what we seem to think is like a necessity, right? I mean, there are so many people walking through the world missing a limb, you know, can't see, whatever the case is, right? So, so I, I think it's important to recognize the, the idea that we don't need to be perfectly healthy in order to achieve our dreams and show up in the way we need to in this world. And with that level of acceptance, ironically, when we actually embody that acceptance, we actually create a greater chance that we're going to recover, we're going to move beyond it, right? So sometimes this idea of, of, of this necessity, this need to get beyond this health challenge is actually constricting our possibility of moving beyond it. We're so identified with the fight of it that we, we can't get beyond it. So, so there's this it's a paradox in, in how it how it operates. So it, I, I don't I don't mean to say give up on it and don't fight. In other words, don't fight for your health, but rather let go of this need for moving beyond it and still pursue this this moving beyond the health challenge. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you in what you're saying. And there's kind of two aspects to touch on, you know, the the aspect of, you know, when we hold on to anything too strongly and don't think our life can, you know, recover or that we can, you know, have all the things without this one thing being in place. There's like this whole ripple effect of resistance and friction and, you know, probably, you know, even pushing that possibility away, which is a hard thing to hear and, you know, really embrace, you know, and then this other idea of intention, you know, I love intention work and intention is so beautiful. It's energy, right? I mean, intention is this you know, beautiful energy that we declare. I love that. And, you know, and how it's showing up in my world and my practice, not only in my my day in and day out is we're doing um, circles, you know, for patients, you know, like intention circles or healing circles. And, you know, we're just trying to amplify with group energy that person's, you know, intention. And it's it's been fun. It's been fun to see. It, it, it's so powerful. It's like, I used to think that intention was yeah. more like a wish. It yeah. was like, okay, here's what, or a want. Like, here's what I want. No, no, no. Intention is so different. It is like the deepest aspect of your soul, uh, your, the awareness that is within and without. The, the biggest version of you is coming through and, and, and creating a reality. Mm. Like, that's, that's what an intention is. It, is. it is you literally creating a reality, a timeline that, that is going to manifest. And I, mean, and I hesitate to use that word because that's, that's a loaded word these days, manifestation. It's really not about manifesting. It's about aligning. This intention is so powerful. In fact, that's how I got my wife and kid is through intention, which is a, a totally different story. But, and it happened immediately. And it, it kind of shook me um, to, the, to that point. But, but it is when you are connected to your heart, when you are connected into your soul, setting an intention from that place is totally different than setting some intention or want or desire from an ego part, uh, a part that is uh, afraid or that is full of attachment and desire. That's a very, very different energy. And that may or may not work. In fact, you may get the thing that you're wanting or desiring and it may backfire, you know, in a huge way and give you a ton of suffering because of it. So when you set an intention from the heart, from the deepest aspect of your being, dare I say, it's a guaranteed when you're from that place. So it's it's so powerful that I, I, I don't want people to think that it's just this hopeful wishing and wanting and kind of mental process. It is so much beyond that. Mm-hmm. Any resources to share with people, you know, to, if they're really new to intention work and, you know, maybe they think, thought they've done the intention work before and they haven't seen the results in their life, you know, just any resources um, that have been meaningful to you? No, no huge resources. I'll just speak from experience that the best place to set an intention from is when you're in a calm, peaceful state, when you're connected to your body. So using your awareness, you can feel into your hips, you could feel into your butt and your perineum. And there should be a sensation. You should be able to feel some of this stuff. Sometimes we're numb. And, and most of my life, I was numb until I worked it enough and I could actually feel into my body, which is weird to say, but I totally remember not being able to feel. It's dropping into yourself. And and actually, the, the, some of the aspect of intention may be that you actually get rid of all the, the clutter of this in your head of what you think you want and just allow the intention to come from a different place. So 
it's it's actually not about sitting and thinking, although contemplation is also a very good practice. Um, I would say it's a little bit different of a thing. This can be, in fact, for the first place you can start is to set the intention to discover your deepest intention. You may not even know what that is yet, right? And, and, and what I find is that if that is your sort of initial intention to discover your deepest intention, what's generally required is for you to get into a place of stillness, of quietness, of embodiment, and then it will come out of nowhere. And you will know when it hits you. It, it, there's a different feeling that comes from, from a, a deep intention. And usually there's an emotion attached to it. There's a feeling, there's, there's something that's deeper beyond just the mind. So it's, 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 distinct, it's learning to distinguish between a mental process and, and something that's, that's deeper um, in the body, in the emotions, in the, in the energy, in the gut, like it's something deeper. It comes from a different place. Mm, thank you for walking us through that. And, you know, once you've like created this intention with all the you know great pearls that you gave us to do that, how do you keep it alive? Or is it just kind of like one, once you kind of have this moment, you're good? Or is there a kind of a kindling the intention to keep it alive while you're... Good question. I don't, I don't know the, the if there is an answer to that one. <laughs> I'm yeah. working on that. That's why I'm, it's kind of I coming know. from my own you know, question. Fundamentally, yeah. I think if yeah. you set the intention, you've you've anchored it. Now, can we fall off track and can we lose sight of, of our intention? Totally. And in that case, it may, may be helpful to kind of just remind yourself. In fact, sometimes, I mean, one of my deepest intentions is to is in service of, of all beings, right? Sort of the old Buddhist kind of uh, intention, which is to end suffering experienced by all beings. And so I lose track of that sometimes, right? I, I, it, it's, it's in me. It's embodied. It, it, it's, in other words, it's always working. And it can be helpful to remind myself. Connecting back to it helps me get out of this little, little-minded Jason that gets caught in his ego parts and is trying to do too much, right? And so we we get caught in our parts, in our in our little ego parts, the ones that are running around trying to solve all the problems and be the heroes that we are, and you know, play the roles that we are in this world: mom, dad, doctor, you know, teacher, whatever the, the roles that we we carry. And so we we can get contracted in those again. And so going back to our intention can help free us from that and allow us to get in touch with the deeper aspects. So, so I think that in that way, it can be helpful to revisit, to, rem- to remind ourselves, oh yes, that's what I'm doing here. Like, but I don't think it's a requirement. It's not a necessity. It just, we get, we get pulled into our conditioning a little bit. And until that's fully stabilized in awareness, in grounded awareness, awake Buddhahood, you know, enlightened Christ-like beings, then we're always going to get pulled into our little selves. And so it can, it can help remind us, but I don't know if it's a requirement per se. It's really, in fact, it's it's different than like a a visioning process or, or you know kind of a vision board or or mantras or anything like that. I think it's more of in some sense you really set it, you connect with it, and to some degree you let it go. Like you, you're letting go of of the process more than anything. Good to connect to the intention, but don't worry about how it's playing out in your life because it it may be stagnant, and then six months later, boom, you get it right, or it may be. Every week, it's you're moving closer toward that intention, right? It may be linear, it may be circular, it may come out of the blue. Like you let go of the outcome of how it's going to happen, because some of these intentions are like kind of impossible. Like it, it doesn't even seem like how 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 am I going to get from where I am to that intention? You can't even see it, and that's the point: is that you're getting out of the little mind that that wants to chart it out. You're leaving it up to the intelligence that is. You'll get there, and so connecting to it, sure, but worrying about it consistently not a good idea. Yeah, I love that. And that surrender, right? The, you know, the surrender and letting go, right? That I think that's a lot of what we're here to learn on some level, you know, and it requires a lot of trust. Yeah, right? t- totally. Which, 
not all of us came out of childhood with a lot of. So it, it can take a little bit of cultivation of that, a reminder of it, practicing trust, practicing that stage. So a lot of times, yeah, this is, this is a big one that I found in, in my practice. And for me, it's, it's constantly revisiting the, the more fundamental aspects of things. How can I find safety? How can I find trust? How can Because you can't surrender without safety and trust. Yeah. Yeah. Like we can yeah. try all we want, but you're not going to, your system is too smart and mm. it, it wants to survive too much that it's not, you're, you're, in other words, your nervous system, you can't tell it to relax. It's too, it's way too smart for your little thinking brain, right? So we have to find safety on another level, which, which actually speaks to the, the work that, you know, you and I do is to help somebody's system to find a new level of safety through bioregulatory medicine and all these other things that we do, right? Like that is fundamental because when you can achieve that level of safety in the body, the mind, the emotions, the expression of everything else starts to follow. And that's, yeah, such a great point. And there's a lot of trust issues and, you know, betrayal, you know, themes of like when people, when I look at people's trauma, you know, especially in early attachment and all of that, you know, there's a lot that shows up. So, you know, trusting and the divine intelligence at the end of the day, because it's really not other than yourself. And that, you know, is really what we are here to experience, you know, on some, on some level, but yeah. And we all have these different wounds, right? Like we have different wounds, whether it be with another being and, and with trauma work, this is a thing is that and it's also why I don't like saying that the plant medicines and these things are, are, are the best tool for all traumas and things because they're not a lot of the things that we experience are relational, right? And uh, you mentioned attachment. So these attachment wounds, they need to be repaired with another being. You know, I, I was need is a careful. Word. I, I shouldn't say need. It's it's better. It's better healed with another being. It's faster. It's more effective when you have another being there to help you. It's not as effective to do this in meditation by yourself, right? It's, I don't think it's as, as effective to work with you know an indigenous healer in a sort of ayahuasca circle with twenty other people. Although it can happen if you have a really gifted and they know how to address those. But but the point is, is that there's certain wounds that happen me to a group that's generally best healed in a group setting. Because now that, that wound can be repaired if the group can hold a specific energy of love and compassion and acceptance, that's not going to re-traumatize, re-trigger those wounds. So there's, there's all kinds of these things that, that we need to address, but, but it's, it's dependent on the situation, right? Yeah, no, thank you for saying that because it's like trauma is almost like a buzzword now, which is great, you know, and that, you know, people have this awareness of how much it can impact you know, their life and their body and, you know, all the things, but it, you know, trauma needs to be treated with, you know, a lot of respect and a lot of, you know, just awareness and, and safety. And I think sometimes, you know, people think that they have, you know, training that they don't or so forth. And it, it just seems to be, you know, it's like a, our word of caution, you know, out to the audience, right? You know, that there are people on your path that are, you know, be supportive facilitators, but please, you know, just don't go a weekend to, you know, a ayahuasca ceremony without any preparation, you know, or, you know. And, and some of these, like, let's say traumas are more of the conditioned type. In other words, they, they took eight years of repeated offenses for them to become as big as they are. In other words, I mean, going to school for most of us was a trauma in and of itself, right? Raising your hand, you know, or getting called on when you didn't know the answer and these little snide remarks that the teacher might make or somebody, some other students, like this is all, these are all traumas, right? And if it happens over and over and over again, it's going to condition us into a way of being both internally on the biological level, as well as the expressive level and, and the personality type that we have. But these things 
at least in my experience, they're not healed in one fell swoop in some kind of EMDR session or tapping session, or, you know, no matter what kind of work you're doing, family constellation, you know, this is all great stuff, but some of this stuff, it it needs to be reconditioned. In other words, you need to have repeated uh, experiences of sort of re-engaging that type of of interaction in a safe way, in a secure way that allows your system to finally get conditioned to safety and to conditioned to that love and acceptance without being triggered again. And so this is why the, the trauma work I think is, is, is kind of a never ending process, at least as far as I can tell, I keep finding new depths and, and new places to go with it. And, and as I continue to heal these parts, which, which by the way, when you heal and you integrate them, that's it. Like that, that little piece at least is done. Like you don't have to revisit that. It's, it's been healed, but there may be more underneath it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going through EMDR right now for the first time and it's fascinating, right? You know, just as somebody who's recommended it and then finally, you know, embrace just experiencing it. And yeah, it's a fascinating experience. And, you know, the therapist has been really amazing. And she's like, if someone's, you know, like we all, there's so many experiences and it's our lens and perspective that either triggers us or doesn't, right? And so once we, you know, move through that and heal that, like, you know, we can look at that and it's just not, it doesn't impact us, right? In the same way. So it's, it's really beautiful work. And, and, and there's so much of it that uh, I'm going to bring forth a quote from one of my good friends who is a Peruvian healer uh, of the Huachuma lineage, which is San Pedro. And he said, I was telling him a story and I said, oh, maybe that's just my, my story or something and, or, or my experience. And he said, he said, no, Jason, it's not yours. It's for you. And what he meant by that is like all this stuff that we carry with us, right? The sexual abuse that we directly experience, the the inherited trauma from Jewish lineage or a black lineage or whatever, all of our lineages, to be honest, just being human, the, the lineage that we come from carries these traumatic wounds that aren't mine. You know, the culture that I'm born into for me as a, as a light skinned person carries cultural traumas related to, you know, all kinds of racist things that I wasn't a direct part of, but I'm still experiencing because the culture it's embedded within the culture. So we're all experiencing these things and they're not quote unquote mine, right? In fact, I was in a um, healing session with a, a big group and we were going through some of these cultural um, wounds related to female and how, how the traumas that, that females have experienced uh, in the past couple hundred years in particular, black bodied individuals, you know, BIPOC of all kinds, you know, LGBTQ, all that stuff. We were indigenous, we were experiencing it. And, and I, I was going through these empathetic wounding and and healing processes, right? Because I still have them within me because I'm part of this society. So so the land that you're born on, the culture that you're raised in, the family histories, the genetics, I mean, it's all part of the experience that we're carrying with us, right? So we're carrying all this stuff and it's none of it's quote unquote mine. And so it's it's a recognition that we don't need to hold on to this stuff. And yet it's our responsibility to process this stuff, right? And sometimes it sucks and you don't want to. And I've worked with a lot of people that have some very direct lineage related traumas. And it's like, they don't know what it is. Like as it's coming up, it starts to reveal itself, but there's stuff going on in the background that's creating anxiety, depression, anger, frustration, expression of all kinds of physical diseases. And, and they're so confused at like, what the hell is this? I'm eating right. I'm following the circadian rhythm. I'm doing, they're doing all the things that I, that, and they don't know what it is. And like, I was raised, I didn't have a troubling childhood, at least n- nothing overt, you know, and we're, and, and so it's, this stuff can be so confusing and so difficult. And then 
as long as it's given the space and the container and and the the presence that it is required, this stuff will emerge and we can process. Sometimes the contents reveal themselves, but sometimes they don't. And, and it doesn't even matter. Well, sometimes it may matter, but, but it, we don't need to experience the content. But when we process, we can process stuff from lineage stuff. You know, I can process things from my grandfather that he dealt with because he was in the Korean War, right? That he saw or he experienced or that he did, right? That, that have been unprocessed that is still within my, my system, right? So this stuff is super, super complex. And, and, and it's important to recognize that it's still here within our experience. And it's manifesting in these autoimmune conditions. It's manifesting in skin conditions and in all this chronic degeneration of all kinds, it's showing up. And so as we process this stuff, we're processing it for ourselves, for our lineage, for our culture, for our heritage, everything that we are related to and touching, it starts to resolve this stuff. And it's all of our responsibility to, to do this. And so it's deep, deep work. Honestly, like the more I get into it, the more I, I recognize how profound it is for the individual as well as the collective because it's otherwise it's going to get expressed in the collective and, and and it's going to as well and we're seeing this right we're seeing the rage we're seeing the confusion we're seeing the anger and the it's being expressed and that's because these are some traumas these are wounds that are have yet to be processed and so they're going to express they're going to manifest until we finally are able to process and that may be part of the process themselves but we can also process it in a different way such that we don't feel the need to express this anger. We don't feel this disharmony within our system that we may not even understand where it's coming from. You know, I, I've seen that work in my practice for sure with the ancestral lineage, past life, you know, issues bringing, yeah, wild. I mean, you know, it, like your, your patients will teach you this is very real, right? And, you know, it, it's like, again, this whole mirroring of the, you know, the collective and the individual. And, you know, we sometimes think, especially with everything we've gone through, you know, they're the people who are like, okay, I'm going to hoard and prep and, you know, get everything and be safe, which I, you know, I admire and I, yeah, I totally do. I'm like, that is really smart. And I, I'm sure I would, you know, wish that if the circumstances happened, you know, but even in that like perceived safety and isolation and security, it's like no one's immune from what's going on collectively. Like we are all like the, the more we study all of this, as you mentioned, it's like, our impact on the collective and the collective's impact on ours and, and the beauty and the gift of how much we can matter and how much we can, you know, transmute and transform and that our lives and our thoughts matter individually, all of us, right? And, you know, there can be a, a group of individuals who have a profound ripple effect on the trajectory. We have immense power. We have immense power. Yeah. And and that's beautiful. I mean, that's that's the work of what you're talking about, the work of HeartMath, the work of all the, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, ancient wisdom that you know, we can get together and make change. So I think this time can sometimes feel disempowering for people. And I just, it's a good reminder right now. So yeah, it's like we're, it's like a mother going through pregnancy, right? Like it can, I'm sure on one level, it's so disempowering. Like I am subject to this horrific pain and like, what the heck? And it's a process that has me and you're there too, right? And you're part of the process. And so, you know, the Maharishi effect is one of my favorite things to point to where it's like, it doesn't take many of us to actually exert a massive, massive influence, right? So if there's anything uh, out of all the cool things we've talked about in this, in this conversation, I think the one thing I want people to hold on to is that none of this is linear, right? So it's to get out of this linear thinking, healing is not a linear process, right? This transformation, right? I say like, that all the time. <laughs> 
feel like we're like getting the same downloads. Like you, you've you got like the same, you know, it's just so fun. And I mean, we're all in our maturity, but yeah, you can I love hold that. that. You can hold yeah. the possibility of, of instantly healing, right? Of this spontaneous remission. But we're so conditioned that that's not the reality that if I've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's or thyroid cancer, there's a timeline to it. And there's a process to it where the nodule has to get smaller over the course of this. Da, 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 and then we got to get your antibodies. Da, da, da. No, no, no. Like that's, that's a story that is played out based off of conditioning. And there's some truth to it. And there's a higher level reality that we can integrate into our being. And so this to me has been my big work with a lot of these healers and indigenous people that I we work with. It's like, we get to skip over all that bullshit. Like it's true and we can transcend it, right? So it's this idea of transcending these limitations, which are true on in one level of reality, but we don't have to hang out there anymore. And so sometimes it's literally just deciding to create a different reality for yourself and just watch how it plays out. And it may play out in a, in a way that doesn't make sense to you, but this, this idea of linear processing and timelines of, no, 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 it doesn't have to be that way. And we get to change things immediately. And I've seen too many examples of it. That's the thing. Like, I guess maybe that's, maybe that's the luxury that I've had of as stubborn and hard-headed as I can be. Like I, I've just seen enough that I'm finally submitted to, okay, reality is a little bit different than I thought. And I give in. Yeah, I love it. I know there's a podcast um, that I have with this woman, Julia, and she had stage four cancer and she showed up in my office and I don't even treat cancer. And it was just incredible. It was an incredible way. I, it was one of the most striking things that I personally missed. And her ad, you know, it was her attitude was like really positive, even though collapsed lungs, swelling, hadn't gone to the conventional doctor, you know, and I'm like, you know, and then your human brain goes like, is she in denial? Do I need to like, you know, totally. like, can, I, can, you, can I help her? Yeah, right? yeah like, totally. Like, yeah. But then I'm like, she's here. She's open to miraculous. Let's just, you know, support her and not you know, put negative intent on that can't be her journey. And she she did a lot of intention work and she actually got hooked into the Joe Dispenza coherence aliens and she graduated out of hospice. She like literally, wow. yeah, her lung got he healed. She looked like a different person. You know, my, my uh, office was just like, you know, like it was incredible. It was just, yeah, it was incredible. And I, 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 I thank her for showing me that, you know, firsthand because, you know, these extreme examples, it's like, if she can heal, why can't anybody else? Totally. I mean, that shows the power of, of her being right. Like there's something beyond this sort of human aspect that we, we can bring through that it's, it's remarkable. Right. And I've, again, thank God I've had the teachers that I've had and she was a great yeah. teacher for you, right? Like it really does start to show you the magic that exists and and all we we have the opportunity just to tap into a, a fraction of it, you know, things will things will change. Again, we're so conditioned from the, the day we're born, we're conditioned to this reality, right? I watch my three-year-old and he's not, he's, he's, he's going to get conditioned. That's the nature of being human, but he is still not fully conditioned. And so he's still open to reality being a certain way, yeah. right? So it, this is just something to it, important to recognize that we are all conditioned to pay attention to our conditioning and to choose a different level of reality when we catch ourselves in this conditioned level of, of thinking. Yeah. I know I, my daughter's four and a half now and I almost five almost, but I, every time she gets hurt or something, I always try to, you know, we, you know, breathe and I'm like, your body knows how to heal. You know, I'm just like, if I can just insert that, I've done my job, you know, right. but I no, I, I love our conversation always. And I, I want to wrap as we, you know, I, I know it could be another hour of conversation, but I would love to just 
presence, the beautiful gift that you gave us all with your book, um, Beyond Longevity. And, you know, really, I mean, how does our conversation that we've just had, you know, really play into like this theme of, you know, you know, beyond longevity, just some words around that. Again, it could be a whole nother hour. I respect that. But I, I just want to ask that question. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, yeah. I'll try to keep it. Yeah, yeah. I'll try to keep it to things. <laughs> I mean, the reason I, I fundamentally wanted to write this book was because there's so much discussion right now on aging as a disease and living forever. And so with the work that I've done and speaking with people in their late 90s and beyond 100, I think recognizing that the human life is a process that is, that is sacred, that is beautiful, and, and, and is finite. That's an important recognition, right? That, to think of your life as finite is a gift, Right. Imagine thinking that you had an infinity in this one body. Like it just, hey, it sounds really boring. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm excited to see what transition looks like, aka death. Like I'm excited to to like be to presence that aspect of life because it is that 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 aspect of life. And so I think it's important to get out of this level of of thinking that that we somehow need or want or creating um, entire economies out of you know extending our life to 130 or 150 or 180 when when the key really is alignment right the key if i'm if i live to 150 years and i don't like myself and i'm just destroying the environment and creating all kinds of suffering in the world then what the heck is the point of that right like that just seems ridiculous right so so it's for me it's it's not about that that the, the longevity and the, the aging is a, is a byproduct of living in alignment and so the fundamental thesis of the book itself is to live in alignment with your constitution so that takes some understanding of who am i right so what kind of constitution you, know, you can look at it from the chinese medicine perspective the ayurvedic perspective mm-hmm. the western perspective with our genetics there's a million ways you can look at this or you can do the more feminine aspect which is to feel into what's good for you and how it works but when you live in alignment with your biology, I'm a light-skinned person. I can't go into the equator and just hang out in the sun all day. Not a good idea, right? The sun is a very uh, healing uh, technology, and yet I can't do it too much as a bad thing, right? So there's a certain alignment of, of my constitution. And the other one is to live in alignment with the universal aspect of life itself, yeah. right? So humans need sleep. We need love. We need water, right? Like there's certain fundamental, we have a circadian rhythm that we, that we can follow. We have a life cycle, right? So a two-year-old operates differently than a 22-year-old, than a 92-year-old, right? And so honoring these things about life itself. And so it's really about living in alignment. And when we do those things, when we live in alignment with ourselves and the universal aspect of, of, of life itself, then we are given the gift of happiness. We're given the gift of ease, of grace, of compassion, of love, of service, right? Like these are all the spiritual qualities. And so when we are sick, when we're injured, I spent most of my life injured and sick, we get caught in, and we're unable to fully express um, our gifts. And so the, the book goes through all the things, not all the things, but a lot of the things that are related to living healthy and, and some of the fundamentals. The reason they're fundamental is because of the complex nature of their effects, right? So something like exercise, something like circadian rhythm, something like digestion and elimination, we skip over these things too often. Like people aren't digesting their food correctly, right? They're not 
not eliminating the waste. I know this is a big part of your work, right? With especially with the uh, with the lymphatic stuff, right? But there's there's a, there's elimination. We got to focus on that. That's critical, right? We don't need to go do all the complex stuff. We need to figure out how to eliminate waste properly from our body, right? And what's prohibiting us from doing that, right? So so we get into the fundamentals of that. But it's that's really what the the basics of the book are. We get into trauma and, and all that. How do we address these things, sort of step by step? And and what happens when we do is is we get healthy living. And that may mean that we live till we're 90 and may live, we may live till 120 or with technology and some of the stuff we've got, maybe it's 140, but like the point is who cares? <laughs> like that's not the point. Yeah, no, thank you for writing the book. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I just had my, one of my patients came to know me through a dear friend. So we're kind of intimate in that way already. And she just shared with me her being by the bedside of her father passing. And I was just like Mm. in tears, she was in tears, but you know, he, she was just, you know, he was in his eighties and lived in a really beautiful life. And there was like so much you know, even though there's grief, there was this experience, right? So I I think the finite piece is important because it puts things into focus. Because we, if we ignore it as a culture, then when the time we come to, it's our turn to cross, we're not prepared. And, you know, we prepare for everything else, you know, like birth and, you know, these other things, like we, we have to have a language of, you know, preparing for death at some point. And nobody wants to think about that when we're in the prime of our life at a, a lot of times. But I think the more that we know and it's coming, the more that we can, you know, feel, as you said, excited and safe and supported, you know, that we're not the only human, you know, to go through this, you know. I, I mean, as far as I know, nobody's gotten out alive, right? And at the end of the day, you know, this is, today is the most most beautiful you'll ever be, right? So it's, it's this idea that don't forget about today trying to prolong your life tomorrow, right? Like the, I see so many people chasing health, right? With all the biohacking and all the cool toys that we have and doing all the things and if that's occupying so much of your time, which is basically worrying about when you're going to die and if you're going to be healthy later on, then you're missing today. And that's all you have is today. Don't forget about being in the present moment. Like this is, this is key, right? And this is, and, and this is what happens when somebody around us dies or, or maybe it's a celebrity and we have some sort of greater awareness of death itself, especially if it's somebody that's young and we say, oh my gosh, like they died too young. It brings us back into this present. Oh, let me connect with the people that I love. Yeah. Right? It's almost universal what happens if it affects you. It's like it brings you back into the present. Usually you, you, you make a couple adjustments with your habits. You might connect with people that you haven't connected. You might apologize to somebody, right? These are the things that are fundamental. And so we can, we can, we don't need to wait for a crisis for that to happen. It's, it's really about um, organizing our life in that way. And so, so again, it's, it's, it's not a matter of chasing this dream of living to 120. I mean, I can walk out of my house today and get hit by a bus, right? So the key, and this is what all the spiritual texts and the religious texts and all the the indigenous cultures that, that get into this level of spiritual process they're all teaching us the same things, right? Which is to live from the heart, to live from the present, to love. This is kind of the basics, right? And so it's, it's the, none of them is, I mean, there's, 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 there's practices like fasting and, and ways of being, but, but those are, those are, those are setting the conditions for the more spiritual process of awakening and, and realizing who we really are. So there's, again, this is, a, this is a deeper spiritual thing. Once you get into the health and you take it to its logical conclusion, it takes you to the idea that 
there's something else going on here and we can get in touch with that, right? And that's that's what makes life worth living is awakening to the, the reality of who we are. And, and as we do that, because that that is the joy too, which is not the destination, it's the process of remembering who we are and realizing who we are and awakening to the, the magic that I am, that I get to express, that I get to give, that I get to share, that starts to become the gift. So this beyond longevity, again, we can get beyond that pretty quick, you know, and if we get beyond this idea of longevity, then, then the real magic starts to reveal itself. And that's where the juice is. The juice is not in living a long time. That may be a cool byproduct, but like, it's really not where the juice is. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jason. That I am so glad that you're offering that perspective to so many who, you know, find your book. And this was a really fun conversation. We haven't talked in a little bit and, you know, a lot of life has happened. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing your wisdom. And if people want to check out more about you and, you know, what you're up to, where should they find you? Yeah, you can go to beyondlongevitybook.com if you're interested in the book. It's also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all anywhere books can be found. You'll find it there. Beyond Longevity, a proven plan for healing faster, feeling better, and thriving at any age is the full title. You can also find me at Awakened Health Academy. That's where I have a lot of my documentary film series and and courses and and other uh, educational things that I've produced over the years. So probably the two best places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation and we'll have all of those links in the show notes. Absolutely. Good to see you doing so well, Christine. Oh, thank you. Thank you all for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Jason Prawl. Please check out his book, Beyond Longevity. And if you want to check out any of his other information, it's all available in the show notes. I so appreciate you and I am so grateful that you are part of my podcast community. I really honor that you take the time to listen to what I'm most excited about, I'm most intrigued about, and that I really feel compelled uh, to share with you. So thank you for listening and have a beautiful day.